Rob, and it's just great to, to welcome you here on this summer Sunday in July. And as we continue through our summer, we're continuing with our Monday night services as well. And those have been going really, really well. Um, I think we've set record temperatures on Monday nights. I think it's been quite warm every Monday night, both outside and inside. Uh, but we're so grateful for the faithful group that have been coming and allowed us to have uh, that opportunity through, through the summer months. Uh, we've been in a series called Inspire. And um, we have been hoping to share some stories with you that would be inspirational. Stories that would kind of breathe new life into your faith, maybe even revive your faith a little bit. The word inspiring paints the picture of blowing breath, uh, something that was kind of maybe almost um, passed away, coming back to life and being refreshed and being renewed. Uh, there's an image in, in the creation story in Genesis where it's talking about how the Lord created Adam and it says he sculpted him and then he picked him up and he put his lips on Adam's nose and he breathed into him the breath of life and he came alive. That's the image of inspiration, that we would come alive again. And our hope in this series, as we've been sharing stories of men and women who put their lives in God's hands, surrendered it all to him, and God did something significant with them, and that it would motivate us to action. This is not just about sharing cute stories. It's about sharing these stories, and as you hear them, you think, I want to live differently because of them. We've shared stories about civil rights. We've shared stories about people who had a sense of calling and vocation and used their very skills to serve the Lord. We've talked about people who raised their personal relationship with Christ to a new level. Um, we've shared a number of stories, and we hope that they've been inspiring to each and every one of you. Today's story is inspirational, but maybe in a difficult way for us today. Let me share a story with you first. The news had come to town that the girls were going to be released. In a surprising move, the terrorist group that had captured these girls back in February had decided to release them. 105 young teenage girls from Nigeria had been captured by Boko Haram. And after four months of not knowing how they were doing or what was going on in their life, word came that the terrorists were ready to release them. So the parents gathered. 105 sets of parents gathered together to receive their daughters home. They were excited, they were scared, they didn't know what kind of shape these girls were gonna be in, they were just so grateful. And they came, and they got off the buses, and there was shrieks of joy and sadness and tears over what had been lost, but overwhelming sense of gratitude that these girls came back, except for the fact that only 104 girls came home that day. One remained in captivity. And it's her story that I want to share with you this morning. It's my privilege today to introduce you to Leah Sherabu. Uh, Leah is a 15-year-old Nigerian high school student captured in February by a terrorist group that believed that girls were not worthy of an education. So why wasn't Leah released? Well, it's because, very simply, she refused to renounce her faith. She grew up in a Christian family. Her parents were people of incredible faith. And all that she had to do was renounce her faith. And she could have been released with the rest of the girls. She was given lots of opportunities to do so. The captives goaded her on and said, renounce your faith. Her friends pleaded with her to renounce her faith so that she would be released with them as well. But she refused. And to this day, she is still being held captive by Boko Haram. 
Leah's story is inspirational to us in maybe a difficult way, and there's a couple of things that stand out to me about her story. First is her age. She turned 15 while in captivity. So if she lived in Canada, she would be going into grade 10. She'd be dreaming about getting her driver's license. She'd probably be off with our youth group this weekend down in New Hampshire, leading singing at a VBS camp, doing devotionals. But instead, she has become an inspiration to people all over the world who are persecuted because of their faith. For us who wrestle with how much responsibility to give our youth, we're reminded that a surrendered life at any age is an inspirational thing. Any age, on the young end or on the old end, no matter how old we are. The other thing that's inspirational about Leah's story for me are her parents. As a parent myself, it's overwhelming to imagine being in this situation. Her parents are obviously devastated that she did not return, but later they were interviewed and said, you know, what message do you have for your daughter if she's listening? And this is what dad said. I want Leah from now henceforth not to deny Christ in any situation of suffering. And I want her to endure with what she started to the end. This is what mom says. I am happy because Leah is doing the right thing. Even if they shoot Leah there, we believe that she will be with Christ Jesus. Parents, what would your press conference sound like? The other thing that just moves me about Leah's story is her commitment. Her, her, she just has no line. Let me explain that. Maybe when you were in high school, as I was, uh, your younger, younger siblings kind of came in behind you. So no, you're in grade 11, and then you have a sister or a brother who joins you at your high school in grade 9. And you kind of promised your parents that you would look after them help them find their way around, and just kind of be a refuge for them if they ran into trouble. But you had a line. They could not make contact with you publicly. They could not cramp your social circles. Uh, they could not kind of just show up while you're hanging out with your friends. You had a line. And if she crossed or he crossed that line, you were going to kind of disown them and pretend that they did not even exist, right? If you're a parent of teenagers, you know this. If the worst thing ever happens in that you have to be, they have to be seen in public with you, they've got rules. Stay 20 feet back. We will have no face-to-face -face communication. We will only talk via texts. And if you come on up and put your arm around me or show any public display of affection or call me sweetie or anything like that, I'm going to pretend that you don't exist, right? There's a line. I think we can sometimes have a line when it comes to our faith. A line where our faith suddenly has a cost associated with it. And we have to decide whether we're going to pull back or we're going to step over it in obedience. Maybe it's social. I've got a reputation and an image, and if Jesus starts cramping my style, then that's too much, and I'm going to pull back. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's just our safety or our security or our standard of living, but we all have a line somewhere in our lives that our faith, we realize our faith is going to call us to some level of sacrifice. I don't think it's bad to have a line. I think it's natural to have a line. And I think as we figure out what our line is, what's the thing, that when we get close to it, we start to wrestle with whether or not we're going to be faithful and keep going or whether we're going to call back. It reveals to us what's competing for our heart what's competing for our affections. 
that other thing that we secretly wonder if we have it, if it really will bring us happiness, joy, peace, purpose, and contentment. When I heard this story about Leah Sharibu, I realized that if she had a line, she stepped over it. She stepped over it in faithfulness to her Lord. I want us to look at some verses this morning in Matthew chapter 10. Uh, if you're using the Red Bible, it's on page 1511. Uh, we're going to start reading at verse 26. You can look it up on your phone as well, or you can just hear it because I'll, I'll read these for you as well. Matthew chapter 10, start reading at verse 26. Now, all of Matthew 10 is Jesus' orientation seminar for disciples going out into ministry. It's his final instructions to his disciples as he sends them out to be bearers of news of the kingdom of God in the world. He sends them out with instructions to pray for people, to heal people, to share the gospel with people, to love people, to welcome people. And as he's presenting this news to them and this commission to them, he reminds them, you're going to come across circumstances and situations where people aren't happy to see you, where you're going to run into some challenges. And so he's giving them some advice for these moments in particular. And when I heard Leah's story, I thought about these words and what they would be like to be on the receiving of them for her. Let's start at verse 26. So do not be afraid of them. That is the people who might oppose you as you go out to show the love of God to the world. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Jesus is saying to these people, do not be afraid that when you go out there to express the love of God in caring ways, that you meet some opposition to people. And I just want to make a real, real quick distinction here because I think sometimes we get this wrong. There are people who think that if they have to go out into the world and be mean and be angry and be hateful and assault people with their faith. And when they do that, of course, it generates opposition. That's not what Jesus is talking about here because that's not the call that he has given us. That's not the attitude with which we go out into the world. He did not call us to go out into the world and pick a fight with people. <laughs> but there will be opportunities, and we wrestle with it today, where we try to figure out what does it mean to give a faithful witness to Christ in a loving way without backing down. And that's what Christ has called us to, to, to wrestle with that. What does it mean for you and I to have a vision of the kingdom of God and what Christ wants to do in the redeeming and reconciling of all things in our day and speak it from the rooftops with his love? Now, Jesus even says in this passage that you might face deadly opposition. And he said, but do not fear because Christ gets the last word. And I thought of Leah's mum's statement to the press. Even if they shoot her, we believe that she will be with Christ Jesus. Her mom's conviction, Christ's conviction, and hopefully our conviction that Jesus gets the last word no matter what. No matter our circumstances, no matter how difficult it is, Christ holds our eternity. And while we are very unlikely to ever face the threat of death because of our faith, 
I know some of you have been living out your faith in loving and intentional ways. And you face challenges and some of you have faced opposition. And so his word to you today is that Christ gets the last word. Let's keep reading. Verse 29 to 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now the Lord gave me a gift this morning. Because I came out of my office at 7.30 and there was a sparrow sitting on the table outside of my office. I swear on my life. Uh, I didn't, I'm not making this up. Rob and Joe can attest to it. Um, and it was banging off the walls and banging off the windows, so we were opening up more doors trying to get the stupid thing out. Um, and then Joe told me, he said, actually, that sparrow was in here earlier this morning. It was in my office, and I kicked it out, but it came back in another door. So just to remind you that sparrows are stupid animals. <laughs> They've got a lifespan of three years. They will eat anything. They have no bright colors. They're just kind of gray and boring, and then they die. <laughs> And Jesus says, I care about them. And if I care about them, how much more do you think that I care about you? He then mentions human hair, and some of us are counting our hairs on our head because they're decreasing at record numbers. Um, but for the most of us, it's not something that we wake up each morning worrying about how many hairs are on our head. Jesus says again, I'm looking after it. I know it. And it's his way of saying this. God sees every detail of your life. He knows every detail about the challenges that you are facing. When you stay faithful to Christ, he's keeping track of how much it's costing you to follow him. Every detail, every hour, every difficult circumstance, every dollar, every anxious moment, he's keeping track. He sees every detail. And isn't that what we wonder sometimes when we're in a difficult season? God, do you see me? Can you picture Leah Sharibu sitting in captivity wondering, God, do you care? Do you see where I am today? Everybody else is freed and I am here. And Jesus even comes right out and says it in the end of this verse. You are worth so much to me. So much to me. Let's get, keep going. Verse 32 and verse 33. These are some difficult verses, but we're going to get through them. Jesus continues and says these words. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Now, I'll be honest with you. As I was reading through this passage, I thought, well, I'll stop there. I won't read 32 and 33. It's summer. Maybe it'll be sunny outside. You know, no one wants a kind of a heavy verse like this. But I felt compelled to keep going. And this verse bothered me, and I, wanted, I tried to figure out why, and let me share with you some of the things I think it taught me about myself. I wrestled with this verse, why does it bother me so much when following Christ in St. John, New Brunswick, Canada costs me so little? When I know that there are some of you here in this room who've lived in parts of the world where following Christ has cost you greatly. Money, relationships, jobs, and physical well-being. Why does this verse bother me so much here this verse captures this moment where I come face to face, at least in my own life, about the competing affections for my heart that make it tempting for me to deny Christ to protect what I think I have. 
choosing between my standard of living and Christ, if I have to choose between my money and Christ, if I have to choose between my comfort and Christ, which will I choose? This verse is like an x-ray to my heart that reveals to me that there are things in my life that are competing for Christ's attention. The more I thought about it, I realized these are difficult words only if you're counting the cost. Only if you're keeping track of how much Jesus owes you. If you're keeping track of how much you have sacrificed for him. If you are living cautiously, evaluating every instruction and trying to decide, is it worth it to follow him here? Should I do this? What about that? If you're always evaluating every call that he has on your life, then yes, this is a troubling, troubling verse. But imagine if you're Leah Sharibu and you hear this verse. These words explode with life and with hope. Because Jesus is saying, when you stand up for me, I'm going to intercede for you. When you stand up for me, I will be there for you. I will run into my Father's presence and gather the resources of heaven and make them at your disposal. If you have committed yourself to say, Lord, when I get to that line, when I start realizing the cost of following you and I take a step of faith and step over it, these are great news words for us because it reminds us that Jesus will be right there with us in that moment. Last week, Pastor John reminded us that every one of us has a call in our lives, no matter our job, no matter our vocation, no matter our age. Jesus has a call on our lives to be his witnesses in the world, no exceptions. We're called to shine like stars in the universe, to live out this life-changing message of Christ, a message of freedom, a message of purpose, a message of hope. And Jesus knows that there will be moments along the way for us where we run into that line and we realize our faith is going to cost us and we'll come face to face with our own line. And in those moments, we will need help and we'll need inspiration. Jesus ran into a line too. Do you remember it? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus came face to face with what obedience to his heavenly Father would look like and it was a Roman cross and he wrestled in that moment with that decision but he chose obedience he chose faithfulness and because he did we have life today as we think about our lives my prayer my hope for you is that you would be inspired by Leah's story by the witness of Christ to step over your line no matter the cost We're going to close this morning, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray specifically for Leah, who remains in captivity today. I'm going to pray for her parents, for her church community that are praying, interceding, trying to get the government involved, um, and pray that God's hand would move and that she would be received back to her family. Let's pray together. Lord, today, uh, we just humbly admit that following you here uh, really doesn't cost us a whole lot, that we've been so fortunate in so many ways, that we've got so many blessings, that really we've come to take many of them for granted. So we just acknowledge that today, that you have been kind and good to us, not because we deserved it. And we think today of people like Leah, 
who wake up this morning in captivity. We think of her parents who wake up this morning, hearts heavy for their girl, wondering, trying to control and contain their thoughts. And we pray, God, that you would infuse hope into their life. God, we pray that you would meet them in a powerful way through your Holy Spirit to empower them to remain faithful, even in the most difficult of times. And Lord, today I just think about us as a congregation and the call that you have placed on each of our lives to be faithful to you, to be a witness, a loving, compassionate witness in our city for you. That in those moments when we bump up up against our line, when we start feeling the cost of following you, that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we will be inspired by people like Leah to step over that line in faithfulness and obedience to be your loving witness of your kingdom in our city. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.